Headed for Wyoming in 1882 A woman, a team, and a wagon Gonna make our dreams come true Settled in the foothills of the big horn mountain slope Life was sweet, we lived on the meat of the deer and the antelope We cut house logs up on the mountain With the team, we hauled them down Peeled them and we stacked them up Out some bottom ground Traded for some cattle Turned them out on the open range The skies were blue We never knew how things were gonna change Whoa, Powder River You're muddy and you're wide How many men have died along the shore When you brand a man a wrestler He's gotta take a side There's no middle ground in this Johnson County war When you well, brand a man on anti-vax, you gotta take a side. <laughs> Welcome, my friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio. I'm your host, Critch, and today is September 6, 2021. I like that song. I've, that's actually one of my favorite, one of my most favorite songs of all time. But it's been reminding me lately that we may have to. If the day comes, resort back to what our forefathers did to survive. Life might become very difficult if things take a very drastic turn for the worst. If the globalists just don't stop. Uh, I recommend that you listen to this song. (laughs) Because it'll remind you what our forefathers went through just to survive. And what might be coming if it goes completely south. Now, I don't know if it's going to go that way. I uh, maintain hope that, uh, you know, we can stop this before it gets to that point. But you just never know, right? Everything that we thought we'd never see is happening. So let's get into some articles. What we're going to do today is we're going to get into articles that blow apart uh, the narrative as always. We're going to highlight some of the uh, hypocrisies. We're going to... Uh, also highlight some of the things going on behind the scenes that suggest the government is fully aware uh, that mandating vaccines in Canada is very illegal. Uh, but first, we're going to highlight the fact that the vaccinated are uh, way more contagious than the unvaccinated. Now, this article comes to us by way of Peckford 42, and the title reads, Scientists, fully vaccinated carry 251 times the COVID viral load as unvaccinated. This was written on August 26, 2021. <clears throat> Doesn't give me a... Oh, Brian Peckford. There you go. Scientists have discovered that fully vaccinated individuals carry 250 times the viral load of COVID in their nostrils compared to the unvaccinated. The researchers who de- detailed their findings in a paper by the prestigious Oxford uh, University Clinical Research Group published August 10th in the Lancet found that while the jab moderates symptoms of infection, it also allows vaccinated individuals to carry unusually high viral loads without becoming ill at first, potentially transforming them into pre-symptomatic super spreaders. This phenomenon may be the source of the shocking post-vaccination surges in heavy, heavily vaccinated populations globally, Dr. Peter McCulloch noted in an August 23rd analysis for Children's Health Defense. Defenses, the Defender... <clears throat> The researchers who authored the paper found widespread vaccine failure in high rates of COVID transmission under tightly controlled circumstances in a hospital lockdown in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. The scientists studied healthcare workers who were unable to leave the hospital for two weeks. The data showed that fully vaccinated workers 
about two months after the in, after injection with Austra, uh, Oxford's AstraZeneca vaccine acquired, carried as uh, presumably transmitted, carried and presumably transmitted the Delta variant to their vaccinated colleagues. They almost certainly also passed the Delta infection to susceptible unvaccinated people, including their uh, patients. Sequencing of strains confirmed that the workers transmitted SARS-CoV-2 to one another, McCulloch noted. Some U.S. scientists have made the same observations. The CDC has confirmed the COVID vaccines have failed to stop transmission of the virus. The research out of Vietnam, McCulloch noted, provides a key piece to the puzzle explaining why the Delta outbreak is so formidable. Fully vaccinated are participating as COVID-19 patients and acting as powerful typhoid Mary style super spreaders of the, of the infection. Vaccinated individuals are blasting out concentrated viral explosions into their communities and fueling new COVID surges. Vaccinated healthcare workers are almost certainly infecting their coworkers and patients, causing horrendous collateral damage. McCulloch continued, health systems should drop vaccine mandates immediately, take stock of COVID-19 recovered workers who are robustly immune to Delta and consider the ramifications of their current vaccination healthcare workers as potential threats to high-risk patients and co-workers. So, um, you know, a lot of you are probably very, uh, very aware of this. Um, we are going to be covering some dated material just because it's uh, it's very relevant in, in everything that we're seeing right now. Um <clears throat> One thing I'm really thoroughly enjoying is the fact that the normies um, <laughs> have latched on to the ivermectin argument lately. Um, not to just change right off, immediately right off the, the article that we just read. Uh, I'm just, I just, it's just worth noting right now because it's in the forefront of my, of my mind. And uh, I am thoroughly enjoying watching them get schooled, absolutely schooled. On all the socials, um, it has been a, just a pure joy to watch um, them them have to learn the hard way that the the media and the information that they're soaking up is complete BS, complete BS. So we'll probably title this show "The Normies Squeezed the Horse Paste Tube and It Blew Up in Their Face." <laughs> <laughs> is what I was thinking would be a good title for this show. Um, we got a lot to cover, so what we're going to do is we're just going to jump right into it. We'll be right back. So what should I call you? Should I call you uh, a bullet, a tooth? You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. There are times in life when being tough comes in handy. Say some geezer collapses in front of you. What do you do? We need a volunteer that ain't breathing. Here's one I made earlier. First thing you do is you check him over. If he ain't responsive or he ain't breathing, or he's making noises like this. Climate change is real. There is no evidence of election fraud. The Canadian Liberals are doing a great job. Then his heart will stop working, he's having a cardiac arrest. Look lively. First call 999. Then you do hands-only CPR and no kissing. You only kiss your missus on the lips. Watch, lock your fingers together, knuckles up, then push down, right on the sovereign. Push down five or six centimetres, that's about two inches in old money. Push hard and fast, about two times a second, like to the beat of staying alive. Worried you'll hurt him, 
Better a cracked rib than him kicking the bucket. Keep this up till the ambulance arrives. So don't forget, check him over. Call 999, push hard and fast to stay alive. It works. Hands only CPR. It ain't as hard as it looks. A Russian? Well, to be technical, he's an Uzbekistanian, but... Uzbekistanian? I've been dealing with those sneaky Russian dogs. <laughs> Give me a name. No, oh, no. Boris. Boris the Blade? Yeah. As in Boris the Bullet Dodger. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets heavy. All right, welcome back, my friends. What I'd like to do now is we're going to go even a little bit further back in time uh, because this just kind of landed in my lap the other day. Um, the uh, Indian Bar Association has uh, basically gone after the WHO spokeswoman or uh, chief scientist of the World Health Organization, excuse me, um, Dr. So uh, Soimya. Swaminathan. <laughs> that name is going to kill me. But um, I've actually got the press release from the Indian Bar Association, and I just wanted to, to reiterate it to you guys because uh, there was a uh, post circulating around socials saying that she's been charged with mass murder. Now, I don't know if necessar necessarily she's been charged with mass murder, but they are suggesting they are going to go that path. Uh, this is an old release. This is from May 26, 2021, but it is still relevant because it does actually verify what people have uncovered. And um, the title reads, Indian Bar Association serves legal notice upon Dr. Soimya Swamathan, the chief scientist, of, chief scientist World Health Organization. A legal notice is served by Indian Bar Association, IBA, upon Dr. Soimya Swamathan, the chief scientist at the World Health Organization on May 25th, 2021, for her act in spreading disinformation and misguiding the people of India in order to fulfill her agenda. The notice is based on research and clinical trials carried out by Frontline COVID-19 Clinical Care Alliance, FLCCC, and the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development, BIRD, or BIRD, panel, who have presented enormous data that strengthens the case for recommendation of ivermectin in prevention and treatment of COVID-19. Dr. Soimya Swamathan has ignored these studies and reports and has deliberately suppressed the data regarding effectiveness of the drug ivermectin with an intent to dissuade the people of India from using ivermectin. However, the Indian Council for Medical Research and All Indian Institute of Medical Science Sciences Delhi have refused to accept her stand and have retained the recommendation for ivermectin under may do category for patients with mild symptoms and those in home isolation as stated in the national guidelines for COVID-19 management last updated on May 17th, 2021. In order to stop Dr. Soimya from causing further damage to life of citizens uh, of citizens of this country, IBA has decided to initiate legal action against her as a part of a uh, as a part of the process. A legal notice has been served upon her. Uh, PS IBA has observed that the content of several web links to news articles, news articles, and reports included in this notice served upon Dr. Soimya on May 25, 2021, which was visible before issuing the notice, has either been removed or deleted now. 
IBA has anticipated this and therefore we have downloaded soft copies of these news, news articles before issuing the legal notice. It is ludicrous on part of the forces resorting to such cowardly, cowardly acts for they do not know that they are providing very strong evidence of their desperate attempt at blocking information and news regarding ivermectin. Bamo! That's wicked. That is from um, Nilesh C. Oja, National President of the Indian Bar Association. <laughs> oh man, India is kicking ass and taking names. I'm loving it. I love I love this news from all over the world where they basically fight right, you know, fight back and just say you guys are retarded. That also reminds me of the fact that um, now we've got North Korea. North Korea has rejected any of the uh, injections from the world. Uh, they have flat out just said, nope, we're good without them. And then Japan. Japan basically took the injections in, the Pfizer and Moderna ones. As far as I understand, uh, they took them in and what they did was they tested them. And they found very troubling things in, in these injections and they too have now rejected um, Pfizer and Moderna shots. I think it's Pfizer and Moderna. I could be wrong. There are more circulating that are mRNA shots, but they have basically rejected them and said, nope, we're not, we're not going this route. So <clears throat> it's pretty cool to see that uh, you've got countries that are fighting back for their people. Now, we really want to keep an eye on this India one because this, this is the first time that a country has uh, basically gone after a chief scientist of the World Health Organization like this. Now, I hope it's true. Um, so far, I haven't been able to verify that they actually have charged her with mass murder, but I am watching this one now very closely. So if I can get that verification, I will bring it to you guys because that will be the first major <clears throat> uh, WHO uh, person to get slapped with like monstrous charges. Very cool to see. We will be watching this one closely and bringing any news that we find um, to you guys. Now, with that being said, I'd like to actually turn your focus over to a BBC News article. Can you believe that? <laughs> we rarely cover the BBC um, because they're just like the CBC. Well, we do cover them periodically just to uh, laugh and joke and make fun of them. But um, I'm sure this article will, will not disappoint. They're going to try and skew it. But the title of this one reads, COVID, Ivermectin to be studied as possible treatment in UK. This is by Rachel Schreyer. And it was written on June 23rd. Like I said, we're covering some old stuff here, but uh, extremely relevant. Um, this one has probably been buried like, like a bunch of the other ones, but we'll see. University of Oxford scientists are trialing giving ivermectin to people with COVID symptoms to see if it can keep them out of the hospital. The principal study will compare those given the drug to patients receiving the usual N NHS care. The drug has become controversial after being promoted for use across Latin America and South Africa, despite being so far unproven. <laughs> That's funny. Previous studies of ivermectin have generally been small or low quality, right? <laughs> uh, most commonly used to treat parasitic infections such as river blindness spread by flies, ivermectin has also been shown to kill viruses in petri dishes in the lab, although at much higher doses that would usually be prescribed to people. Dr. Aurora, Aurora Balua, an anesthesiologist and critical care doctor, says ivermectin was often being given in parts of the world where there, there are high incidences of parasitic infections. Well, we know all this. COVID patients who are also fighting a parasitic disease at the same time would be likely far worse and, and that might explain some of the seemingly positive effects. 
Though there have been some early promising results from small and observational studies, Principal Joint Chief Investigator Professor Richard Hobbs said it would be premature to recommend ivermectin for COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. Observational studies look at people already taking the drug rather than giving it to a group uh, represent uh, uh, to a group representative of the population. Obviously, these people didn't see the 63 studies; otherwise, they wouldn't be talking like this. Or they are just blatantly pretending they have no no uh, no idea they exist. Uh, so they fail to account for differences in the types of people who might choose that treatment and other factors that might have been influencing the spread of the virus at that time. Um, gold standard, an observational study previously suggested antibiotic azithromycin might be helping COVID patients, but the principal study later showed the drug was ineffective. Trials such as principal, uh, are seen as the gold standard because they can be much more sure they are measuring the effects of the drug and not that of other factors. Despite the lack of good evidence so far, ivermectin has been taken up by doctors or by individuals self-medicating in countries including Brazil, Bolivia, Peru, South South Africa, and the U.S., and Canada, and the U.K., and absolutely everywhere. Anybody that could get their hands on it actually was using it. So this, uh, the 63 studies have now, and I, I should mention that 44 of them were peer-reviewed, which were active at the time of this article, so this article is just complete bullshit. We might not even read the rest of this because it's just garbage. Um <clears throat> it would actually suggest that it's even more effective. Now, I still don't know where the hell um, these numbers of t- uh, basically people poisoning themselves with ivermectin are coming from. Like, I- I've, I've seen this 500% increase, and I'm reading it, and I still don't know where they're actually getting the numbers from or how they're actually proving it. Uh, I've tried to find it and can't find it. So there you go. I mean, it is what it is, right? <clears throat> You know what? Let's just stop this article all all around because it's actually retarded and I don't want to continue with it and start swearing already. <laughs> Instead, let's let's uh look at an actual new study. Um this is also in June, but this this is like basically the let's just contrast this as what I should say. Um this is a study done in June. The FDA approved drug ivermectin inhibits the replication of SARS-CoV-2 in vitro. <clears throat> now, here's the highlights. Ivermectin is an inhibitor of the COVID-19 causative virus SARS-CoV-2 in vitro, a single treatment able to affect a 500-fold reduction in virus at 48 hours in cell uh, culture. Ivermectin is FDA-approved for parasitic infections and therefore has has a potential for repurposing. Ivermectin is widely available due to its inclusion on the WHO model list of essential medicines. Um, uh, abstract. Although several clinical trials are now underway to test possible therapies, the worldwide response to COVID, the COVID-19 outbreak has been largely limited to monitoring and containment. We report here that ivermectin, an FDA-approved antiparasitic previously shown to have broad-spectrum antiviral activity in vitro, is an inhibitor of the causative virus SARS-CoV-2 with a single addition to Vero HSLAM cell 2 post-infection with SARS-CoV-2 able to affect 500-fold reduction in viral RNA in 48 hours. Ivermectin therefore warrants further investigation for possible benefits into humans. Okay, it's going to get fairly technical here, so I'll do my best to try and uh, 
We're just going to do the introdu- introduction because it covers all the other benefits that um, we've ar- we've already talked about on the show, but maybe some people that are n- uh, new to the show haven't heard yet. Um, ivermectin is an FDA-approved broad- broad-spectrum antiparasitic agent that it that in recent years we, along with other groups, have shown to have antiviral activity against a broad range of viruses. Originally identified as an inhibitor of interaction between the human immunodeficiency virus 1, HIV-1, intergrase protein, and the importin uh, heterodimer responsible for ion nuclear import, ivermectin has since been confirmed to inhibit ion nuclear import and HIV-1 replication. Other applications of ivermectin have been reported, but ivermectin has shown to inhibit nuclear import of host and viral proteins, including simian virus, SV40, large tumor antigen, and Deneg virus, uh, non-structural protein 5. That right there, my friends, that simian virus, SV40, can be found in almost every vaccine, SV40. Almost every single vaccine that gets pumped into our children, into us, um, and you just heard what it's called, the simian virus, large tumor antigen. But ivermectin <laughs> has been shown to inhibit nuclear import of hosts and viral proteins, including simian virus SV40. Let's carry on. Non-structural protein 5. Importantly, it has been demonstrated to limit infection by RNA viruses such as a DNV 1 to 4, West Nile virus, Venezuelan equine uh, virus, and influenza, with a broad-spectrum activity believed to be due to the reliance by many different RNA viruses on IMPA backslash B1 during infection. Ivermectin has similarly been shown to be effective against the DNA virus uh, pseudorabies virus in both in vitro and vivo with ivermectin treatment shown to increase survival in the PRV infected mice, efficacy, efficacy was not observed for ivermectin against Zika, vir- Zika virus in mice. But the authors acknowledge that study limitations justified re-eva- reevaluation of ivermectin's anti-Zika activity. Finally, ivermectin was the focus of phase three clinical trials in Thailand in 2014 to 2017 against DENV infection in which single daily oral dose was observed to be safe and resulted in significant reduction in serum levels of viral NS1 protein, but no change in uh, viremia or clinical benefit was observed. The causative agent of the current COVID-19 pandemic, SARS-CoV-2, is a single-stranded positive sense RNA virus that is closely related to uh, severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. Studies on uh, SARS-CoV protein have revealed a potential role for IMPA backslash B1 during infection in single-dependent nucleocytoplasmic shutting of the uh, SARS-CoV nucleoplasmic protein that may impact cell division. And in addition, SARS-CoV accessory protein ORF6 has been shown to uh, antagonize the antiviral activity of the STAT1 uh, transcription factor by uh, sequestering IMPA backslash B1 on the rough ER uh, Golgi membrane. 
Taken together, these reports suggest that ivermectin's nuclear transport inhibitory activity may be effective against SARS-CoV-2. Um, well, we've, we've already seen studies past this, so we know it is, but let's just carry on a little bit because it's, it is intriguing and I'm actually starting to understand this stuff the more I read it. (laughs) I hope it's not just complete jargon to you guys. And if it is, let me know and I'll stop doing it. But uh, I'm always fascinated by this kind of stuff. To test the antiviral activity of ivermectin towards SARS-CoV-2, we infected Vero HSLAM cells with SARS-CoV-2 isolate Australia Uh, They just give the actual uh, virus and MOI of 0.1 for two hours, followed by the addition of 5-UM ivermectin. uh, Supernatin cell pellets were harvested at days 0 to 3 and analyzed by RT-PCR for the replicant of SARS-CoV-2 RNA. At 24 hours, there was a 93% reduction in viral RNA present in the supernatin indicative of uh, released virons of samples treated with ivermectin compared to the vehicle DMSO. Similarly, a 99.8% reduction in cell-associated viral RNA uh, indicative of of unreleased and unpackaged virons was observed with ivermectin treatment. By 48 hours, this effect increased to a 500-fold reduction of viral RNA in ivermectin-treated compared to controlled samples, indicating that ivermectin treatment resulted in the effective loss of essentially all viral material by 48 hours. Consistent with this idea, no further reduction in viral RNA was observed at 72 hours. As we have observed previously, no toxicity of ivermectin was observed at any of the time points tested in either the sample wells or in the parallel tested drug alone samples. So where in the fuck is the uh, Center for uh, Poison Control or Disease Control um, getting these numbers from? Like these studies, like these are like thorough studies. And not to mention it basically just obliterates SARS-CoV-2. This is from June, the same same time frame that that article from the BBC was written. So how in the fuck can I find this, but the BBC can't? Like, you, you get my frustrations with the mainstream media. It's just so stupid that, I, that an average Joe like myself can just look and find this. Actually, I should point out the fact that this came to me by way of the links. Um, but there's multiple studies that I myself have read that are very similar to this from all over the world. <clears throat> with the same type of results, also pointing out that there is no toxicity of ivermectin to people. Um, In the clinical trials, when they did it initially as a parasitic drug, they basically came up with the conclusion that ivermectin was safer than Tylenol. So how is it they have a 500% increase in in people in poisonings with ivermectin? How is it even possible? I don't even understand where that number comes from. It frustrates me to all hell because the normies ran with it. But like I said, they squeezed the horse pace and it blew up in their face because we started throwing studies like this at them and said, you guys are freaking retarded. You're retarded to even listen to this. It was such a good thing to see. It was so cool to see. <laughs> now, what I want to do next is I want to get into the, the basically the toxic shots that the normies are getting Um you know, with the best intentions, I know, I know I got to be careful because I, I don't want to exclude uh, people that thought they were doing the right thing. Uh, I really want to include them in, in everything that we talk about. 
uh, because they are still very valuable. We need them to, to stand with us against uh, government tyranny. Uh, but I also want them to be educated in what they potentially put into their systems. Now, a uh, another great doctor, this comes to us by way of Barbados. This was a town hall in Barbados, and it, it's a, a doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Frank Corbin. And he went in front of the town hall and basically let people know what he has in- uncovered uh, through his investigations and what potentially is in these in these shots. Now, I'm going to turn it over to him and just keep in mind there is a moderator or someone, uh, a guy that's basically mo- um, trying to keep this all flowing and he, he interrupts them several times. It's kind of annoying, but you've got to listen to what Frank has to say here because it kind of coincides with what we already know. Plus, there's a little bit more information here that we didn't know. So I will turn it over to him and shut up. <laughs> My name is Fred Corbin. I'm a professional race car engineer. I have a background in nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons study. And I also have civil engineering, aerospace engineering, and marine biology as correlated subjects of such study. I came here this afternoon not only to represent the people of Barbados, but to bring a certain educational perspective to what a tremendous amount of people have been asking me with the kind of background that I have in understanding what is actually going on. So I have one question, which I don't want a response to. I don't really need a response to the question. And then I have a series of points I would like to back up that question with. And I'd like to address this question directly to the Chief Medical Officer and to my lady over there in the corner. I'd like to ask the Chief Medical Officer, please, to provide evidence for the public education that describes the isolation of a SARS-CoV-2 virus directly from a sample taken from a deceased patient where the patient sample was not first combined with any other source of genetic material, i.e. monkey kidney cells, a.k.a. viral cells, liver cancer cells. I'm just going to pause it there because this is exactly what the Canadian government and provincial governments have been, uh, they've been caught with. Uh, he's, he's, he's highlighting this in Barbados as well. So very key takeaway there. I would, uh, if you need to hear that again, just uh, skip back about uh, 30 seconds to listen to what he, he wants um, from their chief medical of- officer. Sir, before the CMO continues, I must remind you that you have to maintain a brief period of time sure. for your presentation. Sure. We have many persons who still wish to I understand to that, but you also have to realize I'm educating a lot of other people who are listening for this. We appreciate, I appreciate, your situation. We appreciate that as well, sir. Right. That leads me to my, to my, um, to my next point. Sir, we, we haven't heard from the CMOs yet, I believe. Well, he's refused. So I am not, I'm, I'm really not clear, so. Okay. So you gotta, I just slow down now. That's okay. That's no problem at all. I'll, I'll just move on. I've we got limited time. No problem. Addressing the um, situation where a lot of people believe that the SARS-CoV-2 is a novel coronavirus. SARS-CoV-2 is a subclade of the beta coronavirus family. And how do we know this? Simply because we did cross-referencing via the International Taxometer Reviews, and then 
correlated those with actual genetic sequences and reviewed them against the patent records that were available and it is apparent that the declaration of a novel coronavirus is a fallacy. There are several coronaviruses sequences that have been uploaded, but there was not one single identified novel coronavirus, none at all. Furthermore, patents on coronavirus sequences were sought as early as 1999. Up until 1999, patenting of coronavirus sequencing was uniquely isolated to veterinary science. First vaccine patent for coronavirus was sought by Pfizer, and more specifically, the patenting of the S-spike protein, the same thing we've allegedly only just discovered. First patent application was filed January 28, 2000, 21 years ago. There is nothing new about this. And in support of that, we have this document. This is the evidence supporting that. This is the evidence which shows that there is no, that SARS is no naturally evolved virus. It's not a naturally evolved virus. No one has ever produced a safe and effective vaccine against a coronavirus. It has never been done. And it never will be done, simply because it's not possible. Therefore, I go on and I quote, the co-receptor-dependent phagocytic general method of action, for those who don't understand that, okay, this is science talk, okay? I'm following the science now, so bear with me. General method of action for infectivity and pathogenicity, in other words, this is what makes it so deadly, okay, of SARS-CoV-2 appears to be specifically related to cumulative charge resulting from inserts placed on the surface of the spike receptor binding domain. What does that tell you? This is a lab-engineered phenomenon. And how do we know that? We can back up that simply because we have a document produced and very kindly submitted to us by our friends in the CCP intelligence service who gave us this document where it says two mutations were critical for back to human transmission of Middle East Respiratory Syndrome coronavirus. This is where AstraZeneca and some of the other vaccine manufacturers get their vector from. It's just that there's one small problem is that it outlines direct collusion between the Communist Chinese Party and who those who were building it. We recognized HKU4 spike aiming to build its capacity to mediate viral entry into human cells. To this end, we introduced two single mutations. We introduced two single mutations, not the we. S76R and S76A into HKU4 spike. The S76R mutation was expected to restore the HPC, HPC motive. I go on a quote further. We produced retroviruses pseudotyped with HKU4 spike, referred to as HKU4 pseudoviruses in human cells. Sir, I, I, I think I've given you a fair amount of time. No, I to, I'm not sir. done yet. Sir. Mr. Corbyn, to, Mr. Corbyn, to, I'm addressing, I'm addressing uh, the, Mr. The chief, Corbyn, I'm addressing the doctor over here. Allow me to share with you one point. Yeah. We need you, as this is a town hall meeting where everyone wishes to participate. 
to come to a point where you give us a suggestion, an idea, or a proper question. I just want to address the doctor in the corner. What? Thank you, Mr. Pro Thank you, Madam Prime Minister. I appreciate your help. I just want to address. I just want to address my lady doctor in, in the um, in the corner. <laughs> We're gonna have a drink over this, by the way. When I challenge you with regard to your ingredients of the uh, Pfizer vaccine, I had good reason to do so because I hold in my hands an internal document from Pfizer Laboratories, which was given to us by a very special person who we have contact with, called Reverse Engineering the Source Code of the BioNTech-Pfizer SARS-CoV-2 Vaccine. And this is very, very critical because it outlines the chemical and the biological processes which were very, very carefully manipulated in order to be able to produce an mRNA that also contained a very, very dangerous toxin to the human body. Do you know what that toxin is? That toxin is called graphene oxide. And every single one of these vaccines in a 30 milligram shot contains 15 billion nanoparticles or lipid carrier particles within the mRNA sequence. 15 billion nanoparticles. And let me tell you how graphene oxide works when it gets into the body. Because when the spike protein then binds itself to our blood cells and so on, graphene oxide then starts to build a structure. And this is why we have people with blood clots and we have people with heart failure, sudden heart failure and so on because Mr. the Corbin, oxide Mr. Corbin, is building structure. Mr. Corbyn again. Mr. Corbyn, you're lecturing at I'm the moment. I'm lecturing. I'm you are Mr. Corbyn. And we have... I'm educating. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mr. Corbyn, we have... Ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention? Mr. Corbyn, we have definitely now given you sufficient time yeah. to make your presentation. We have to give others a similar opportunity. And therefore, I have to ask you to please make a point, make, provide a question, or we will have to cut your microphone. Okay. One last question. As much as you have support in the audience, we have a number of persons who need to be heard as well. This is your final opportunity, Mr. Corbyn. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you, Madam Prime Minister. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that Barbados is actually a signatory to the Convention on the Prohibition and Development and Production and Stockpiling of Bacteriological and Toxic Weapons. And we signed that treaty on the 16th of July, 1976. However, the patent databases that we have accessed proves that COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines are in fact a bioweapon. And how do we support that? Because we have a copy of the mysteriously deleted Wuhan databases that tell us everything. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Gordon. So very... <clears throat>
very shocking revelations. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, for me, the key takeaways were the fact that the vaccine companies were involved uh, in the creation of it. Uh, and he ties it all together at the very end when he tells you that it's a bioweapon. It's a two-stage bioweapon. The actual release of the, the SARS-CoV-2, which was not natural. He pointed that out um, in, in his, in his uh, presentation. <clears throat> uh, the fact that uh, the vaccine companies had a hand in creating it and then um, reversed engineered it. Uh, and then the actual ingredients, uh, as he said, the, the amount of graphene oxide, oxide in all these shots is truly shocking. And he goes on to tell you that uh, that's what's causing your, you know, your cardiovascular issues along with everything else. Uh, I actually got into an argument today on socials about that. And, uh, you know, it's like beating your head against the wall. Sometimes I wonder why I even argue with these people. But like I've said in the past, it's a sport to me. <laughs> so I would recommend... Um, if you want to see that, it's 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 only been up on YouTube for about a week, and I'm sure as soon as enough people find it, it's going to be gone. So I would recommend that you go uh, you go find it. And the title of it is called "So Now What? What Do We Do If This Is True?" You can search that on YouTube, and you'll find it. And uh, it's just uh, it's more fuel for the fire of everything that we kind of knew new with our doctors in North America that have been claiming for a long time. Uh, it's just nice to see a um, highly educated uh, fellow like himself, uh, Dr. Frank Corbin uh, in Barbados, basically he had access to stuff that was very cool. The fact that he had access, he had insiders from the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and he had insiders from the Wuhan uh, lab that he was, he was holding up the documents that he was reading from and that's where they were from. So that is a true uh, revelation in uh, the I, I would actually recommend that Dr. Frank Corbin just lay low now, <laughs> especially if this when this starts circulating because uh, he could very well be targeted. But it's the information is out, and I would like to see more of it. Um, and it, it's just it's more more evidence that uh, of what you, of, of what we were fully aware of, and and he's not the first person to call it a bioweapon. Um, Dr. Lee Merritt. I think was the first that I heard in North America uh, call it a bioweapon. And uh, th then there's been others up here that have followed suit. And now uh, Dr. Frank Corbin. So, very interesting turn of events, to say the least. Okay, what I would like to do next is kind of um, <clears throat> highlight some of the backtracking or the arguments that are coming up now as a result of... Uh, uh, places that have mandated the vaccines, they, they're, they've put themselves out there when it comes to liability concerns. And uh, I think they're going to get slapped with uh, very winnable, probably class action suits, uh, depending on if they let their employees go or not. Now, the, in this article, you'll notice some serious backtracking. You guys will get a kick out of this. This comes to us by way of the Regina Leader Post. And the title reads, City of Regina's Vaccine Policy for Employees Raises Poignant Legal Issues, Says Expert. Will the city fire the employee? And if they do, <clears throat> will that employee have grounds to argue their rights were violated? This is by uh, Mark Malenchuk. Uh, it was uh, written on September 3rd, 2021. If an employee refuses to comply with the city of Regina's vaccination policy, Gerald Heinrichs says that there uh, that will be when the rubber meets the road. Will the, city, uh, will the city fire the employee? And if they do, will that employee have grounds to argue that their rights were violated? 
I mean, there's some pretty good reasons for an employee who was fired for not taking a vaccine to say that's an unjust dismissal. You've treated me wrongly. You've made unreasonable demands of me, says Heinrichs, who is a lawyer at Merchant Law Group LLP and has worked on numerous uh, labor dispute, dispute cases. I think the devil's going to be in the details of how this unfolds, but it raises a lot of very poignant legal issues, says, said Heinrichs during a phone interview on Friday. On Tuesday, the city of Regina announced that starting September 15th, employees will have to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. The unions representing city employees have said they are not yet prepared to comment on the policy. <laughs> Eric Adams, a vice dean and professor at the Faculty of Law at the University of Alberta, said there are multiple avenues where, policy, uh, where a policy like the city of Regina's could be challenged. I think there's a number of legal issues that this is going to raise. Not that they're insurmountable, but that, uh, but that they will certainly raise, said Adams during a phone interview. Under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which, uh, applies, to the public sector, uh, which applies to public sector employees, a worker could argue that they have the right to bodily integrity and cannot be compelled to undertake a medical action. Uh, they do have the right. Workers could also argue they have a religious objection or that they have a right to an opinion or a belief. There are also provincial human rights codes, which Adam says oftentimes collective agreements incorporate. A worker could argue on human rights on a human rights ground that they have a medical reason or not being vaccinated. <clears throat> the city's policy does not uh, dictate that employees must be vaccinated. The alternate alternative is that they th is that they would have to present a negative COVID nineteen test. Adam said this, this alternative path exists so employees are not terminated if they refuse to be vaccinated, but are subjected to an onerous testing regime. The city has not yet... Now, let's just step out for a minute, um, simply because um, there are rights to protect you against even testing. And I would just like to reiterate that to you. In the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act of May 4, 2017, um... Uh, there is protections uh, under the GNA. Providers of goods and services, including insurance providers, cannot request or require that a person undergo a genetic test, request or require the disclosure of previous or future genetic tests. Under the GNA, federally re regulated employees cannot use a person's genetic test results in decisions about hiring, firing, job assignments, or promotions, request or require genetic test results of an employee. So it, it goes on a little bit further, but uh, right there, you are protected. So if you refuse the vaccine, you do not, you legally do not have to go through an onerous testing regime. Like, so this, this article is leading people astray, thinking that, okay, well, I don't have to get the vaccine and I can keep my job, but I have to submit to what a test a day a test every six hours how, how often are they going to go with this and what kind of testing if it's a pcr testing i would tell them to get bent i would i'd say pound cent i'm not doing your uh, pcr test i want rapid antigen testings because testing because that's the only one that i trust basically you can spit in a in a petri or a little sampler and it'll tell you if you got it or not where the as we know if they actually are trying to get rid of you they can give you a positive pcr covid test and say beat it <laughs> okay let's carry on the city has not yet said how often unvaccinated employees will have to be tested it will provide the testing for employees well yeah if you if you require it you're going to be doing it under both the charter 
Charter and Human Rights Codes, Adams says there are provisions which allow for the infringement of rights for reasonably and justifiable reasons. Well, this would get back to, I'm stepping out here, this would get back to them having to prove or provide a sample or an isolate of the SARS-CoV-2 virus from a deceased patient that is uncontaminated, like just like Dr. Frank Corbin said, uncontaminated with uh, monkey kidney cells. So far, no government in the, on the world or the WHO or the CDC has been able to provide that to anybody. So <laughs> this guy saying Adams said there are provisions which allow for infringement of rights for reasonable and justifiable reasons. Well, that's going to be a problem there, Adams. Adams said that employers will likely argue the policy brings about workplace and employee safety and increase, increases vaccination uptake, which will result in better public health outcomes. So Adams is completely hypnotized. At the end of the day, Adams believes employers will have a strong case. When you add all that up and you put it in context of a pandemic that continues to kill people at an alarming and tragic rate, I think employers of all kinds are going to have a very strong arguments that their vaccination policies are lawful. I doubt it there, Adams, because let's look at the death rate for 2020. It actually went down. <laughs> so we are not in a pandemic. We just basically aren't. It's, it's funny that, holy cow, you know, like these are highly, highly educated people. And they just, they just, maybe they're paid. I, I bet you that's actually the case. I think they're paid to just carry carry the torch. You know, here, take the baton and uh, just carry the narrative. Uh, make people feel like they don't have a case, which they do on multiple levels, on so many levels. I, You know, anybody that gets fired, I would say, if you can't afford doing it on your own, get in touch with the Justice Center for Constitutional Affairs because they are taking on class actions. So do not sit on your hands. And, and honestly... If, if it's looking like it's going to come to this, then let them fire you. Let them fire you. And I don't know about the human rights complaints. Uh, I've heard of uh, pretty much an avenue that that would open the door for the UN to come in. If, if it's a human rights uh, complaint against, let's say, a government employer. I, I would actually more, try to argue it more in the... Uh, in the uh, uh, employer employer rights, like go down that avenue, and if that doesn't work, well, then in the provincial courts, because I think you're eventually you're going to get a, in front of a good judge that understands the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. <laughs> now, let's look at something that's not being really thrown out there by the mainstream media, but the Toronto Sun covered it. This is uh, okay. The title of this reads: Burial Costs covered by Canadians killed by approved vaccines. Uh, this was written August 23rd by Kevin Connor. I bet you, did you know this? I didn't know this. Burial costs will now be covered by Ottawa for individuals covered by federally approved vaccines. According to Blacklock's reporter, the Department of Health will pick up the tab and say the new program addresses a long-standing gap in Canada's national immunization program by providing a timely, no-fault financial support mechanism for all people in Canada in rare instances where they are seriously and permanently injured, performing a public good being immunized. Oh, Jesus. The propaganda in that statement is sickening. Oh, yuck. Ah, I'm going to have to brush my teeth after reading this article. <laughs> A briefing note from the department says vaccine injuries are rare, but do happen. 
The program will provide death benefits and support for funeral expenses in the rare case of a death as a result of having received a Health Canada-authorized vaccine, said the note Vaccine Injury Support Program. The department has budgeted $75 million for all claims, but said it was unclear how many submissions there could be. So there, right there is an admittance that they have no idea what's going to happen long term with these vaccines. Right there. The department has budge- budgeted $75 million for all claims, but said it, has, it was unclear how many submissions there could be. Well, I'm going to tell you there's probably going to be quite a few. Management of the program is contracted by RCGT Consulting. In the rare event a person in Canada is seriously and permanently injured as a result of vaccination, they should be fairly supported, wrote the, the department staff. The Vaccine Injury Support Program provides financial support to individuals who are seriously and permanently injured due to vaccination with the Health Canada authorized vaccine. Canada's COVID-19 health experts admit there are unknown long-term effects of vaccines, but they provide another layer of protection. Oh boy. Dr. Trani Tam, Chief Public Health Officer, says she has always been realistic about vaccines. We have never said the vaccine was going to be 100% effective. What the fuck? Yes, you idiots did. Yes, you did. You guys came out at the start of the vaccine rollout, said that these would be 100% effective and everybody needs to get on it now. Now you hear them backpedaling and trying to change what they have been telling us. Jesus, that pisses me off. But people pick up, uh, pick at the concept for unreal, unrealistic expectations. So we have to go out there and set some, expect, set some expectations, she said. Adding, the pandemic has been stressful and that everyone is an armchair epidemiologist. <sighs> oh, my God. <sighs> you know, average people can study too, you know. I, I just like to throw that out there because you get this a lot. And it comes right from the top. You know, Dr. Tranny Tam, with her big-ass Adam's apple, is, is promoting that type of rhetoric amongst all of her followers. It's, it's sickening to see that. It does actually help when the public realizes what our job is as opposed to decision makers and how much pressure we're under, Tam said. Dr. Tranny Tam. Not everybody likes what we say. We are resigned to that, said Tranny Tam. There are a lot of people who will tell me I'm not doing the right thing. Too fast, too slow, too soon, too much, you know? But I don't make decisions singularly. Vaccine risks are rare, Dr. Supriya Sharman, Senior Medical Advisor for for the Health Department, said last year. The benefits outweigh the potential risks, but it is still a drug and still a va- <clears throat> but it is still a drug and still a vaccine and there are potential risks even if they are rare sharman said that's why we are continuing to monitor it well <clears throat> not that rare in my family how about yours my friends you know just going to throw that out there <laughs> it's uh, it's hit me right on the front line how about you guys i bet you i bet you there's every almost i would say probably every second or Almost every listener knows somebody that has been injured by these vaccines. I'd be willing to bet on that. I bet you all, all of you guys, uh, if it's not immediately in your family, you know of somebody that has had problems from these vaccines. But they're still claiming that the benefits still uh, outweigh the risks and that the, the uh, adverse effects are rare. Well, I, I don't fucking think so. And I'm just going to just kibosh that right now. Uh, it is, is, it's affecting me personally. 
And I know of other people, you know, uh, that are, are experiencing the same thing. I'm sure you guys all do too. So how long can we maintain this lie <clears throat> that the benefits outweigh the risks when every single one of us knows somebody that has, has suffered as a result of these experimental gene therapies loaded right full of graphene oxide? Holy lick. Anyway, it is kind of neat to see that uh, if you have troubles, there is help. Um, so let's not completely strip away from what we just learned from this article. Um, if you are having, and you, it, the thing is they're going to make you, uh, they're going to put your feet to the fire and make you prove, which is going to be the tricky part, is having doctors admit it, <coughs> that there is uh, a, a, an injury or death that, uh, that occurred because of a vaccine. But there is help there. Um, and like the, like the article has suggested, they, they really, well, they even said they have no idea what the long-term effects are going to be. So it's not just immediate, you know, it's not just going to be immediate problems. Like it's going, we're going to see everything, you know, like, like as you guys are aware, these, these, um, shots are, do not stay in the shoulder. Like they had originally told us just another fucking lie that they thought we would forget about. They travel all over the body. Uh, they land in your, your organs along you, along with your, uh, reproductive system. And they have the ability to pass the blood brain barrier. So down the road, we're going to see everything. We're going to see uh, heart attacks, strokes. We're already seeing that, as you guys know. But uh, we're also going to start seeing liver failure. Um, you know, everything that, every organ that, any type of failure you can imagine is going to start happening. Along with um, all your, your mental problems. Uh, you're going to start seeing uh, neurological problems. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Alzheimer's is going to skyrocket at an alarming rate. You're going to see it in people younger and younger and younger. You're going to see it in people that are 20 and 30 years old start uh, uh, showing symptoms of Alzheimer's. That's, you know, this is me speculating, but I think it's a very reasonable and, ed and you know, educated, researched guess that you're going to start seeing that. The minute we found out that it could pass the blood-brain barrier and these, these uh, spike proteins or these toxins and graphene oxide would be uh, settling in your brain, Oh boy, we got problems. We got problems, my friends. Anyway, <clears throat> I could go on and on and on and on and on with stuff that you guys are completely aware of, but we will probably stop it right there. <laughs> As always, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. I like to call it LifeLog because that's what it originally was. Um, you, uh, It's Canadian Patriot Radio. Use the message button on that page. Uh, it comes directly to me. Uh, send me any information that you choose or if I missed something or if I screwed something up. Uh, keep, be in, keep in mind that I am open to criticism and I have gotten some. Uh, you guys have kept me on my toes, which is good. It's good. I, I don't mind it at all. If, if I screw up or I, I make a mistake, let me know. I'm open to hear about it. Uh, or use email. It's CanadianPatriotRadio at gmail.com. And uh, my personal favorite is the Telegram page. Now, I've been a little bit vacant on the t Telegram page for the last couple of days. Uh, I actually had a, a lot of stuff going on at home. We actually tore down an old building that had been driving me nuts for a while. So that was a pretty big undertaking that we got done. So that's pretty good to have off my docket, to say the least. Um, but anyway, back to the Telegram page. There's always a continual conversation going on there, and there's very, very intelligent people sharing information there. I recommend that you guys um, go check it out. Um, we even dabble into the theory realms over there, and why not? 
<laughs> on an open forum like that, we uh, I, I like seeing that stuff. So, you know, you can get into the UFO stuff and and whatever on that page. Whatever your interests are, feel free to throw them up there because that's we talk about absolutely everything. Um, so that is t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. And if none of those are your cup of tea, then feel free to visit the website, which is CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in again, my friends. And until next time, in all thy sons, command. for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.